0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. We are joined now by Steve Cleveland, BYU basketball coach, former Cougar coach, and former Fresno State coach. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. There's this hilarious story PK has told about a big game where he was sitting you come walking outside the locker room and your stomach is in knots it's big game time you look at pk and he's of course anticipating this big game and excited he's stealing money he's getting paid to do this right this is this is the best part of his job in those days and you look at him and just and you knew each other pretty well and just look at him and go oh, look at you and it just cracked him up and you knew exactly what you meant by that and i'm wondering if you're on the other side of that equation now we have got big games at byu and at utah state tonight and you can enjoy them. You're not all stressed out, are you?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not stressed out at all. <laughs> but I tell you what, you can't explain that to anybody. But those who follow the sport and write for the sport and those who coach, uh, there is a different experience. So, no, I'm, I'm enjoying the opportunity to watch as much basketball as I can and not have a – just like feel like my gut is about ready to – to so explode and uh all the issues that come with stress in games and there's it's almost a matter of you know when the games are over and you win a game there's just so much relief that you're just able to just kind of breathe a little bit. But I mean when you're in the midst of it and you're coaching you you it's intense and you're just doing what you do. But um as a uh one, watching the games now, it is so much more enjoyable in terms of physically, emotionally. Uh, I, I love watching games and uh, watching teams at every level. I, I probably watch about six games a week just following my grandkids who are playing in AAU or kids at View And there's always four or five games every week that I go to. And so those uh, aren't nearly as stressful, but it, it's, it's really fun to watch my grandkids play.
2: Watching that Utah State game at at Colorado State, I was thinking back to my days of covering them, been there many, many times. And when CSU has a good team, that community comes out. You know, it's an isolated community away from Denver and all that. And they got a good team. And you talk about those stands being right on top of you. I mean, they really are where we sat in press row. You had to wait until uh, halftime. You couldn't move because you couldn't get out of your seat because the fans were literally right behind you and there was no room to walk. So coming out of that game for Utah State's perspective – I did expect them to lose because I know how tough it is. I, went, I covered some great teams in there that, that needed every minute of the 40 minutes to pull away and get a victory at close at the end. And I know you know it, too, because you've been there. So I'm expecting them to lose. They do. And to me, it's no big deal because that's a tough venue when they've got a good team. And I'm expecting them to have a nice bounce back.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Utah State is. I mean, you're looking at a league now that you're, you're talking five or six potential bids. I mean, they've got just in the most recent NC two A situation. You got Nevada, Utah State, Colorado State, Boise State, and UNM. Now things could change a little bit, but I, I think I think as a coach, you love those types of games, and, and you, you don't beat yourself up after games like that, no matter how you play. I mean, the fact is. You know, Utah State has had a great year. I mean, they, they've lost. They're two and three in their last five games, but they played Colorado State. They played San Diego State, who now is number 19 in the country. Colorado State is number 22. You, you know, you you go to battle, and you go through those experiences, but in those kinds of games, they weren't nearly uh, as emotionally draining as a game where you're expected to win, or a game where you lose, and you know maybe at the last moment and. Made some mistakes, whether they were coaching mistakes or player mistakes. So, no, I, I think Utah State is, is in a good position. Uh, they've got good. They've got games against San Diego State at home, which will be a great game to watch. They've got UNM at home, and then they're going to play Air Force, San Jose, and Fresno, which will probably be wins. So, they'll they'll turn this thing around. Uh, they're going to have they're going to have a great opportunity in the NCAA tournament, but, but I'm, I'm not sure anybody saw this where the Mountain West has six really solid opportunities that, you know, five or six bids in the NCAA tournament. And, and besides the Big 12, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I'm thinking, is there anybody else in the country that's going to have five or six bids uh, that, uh, that, that aren't a Big 12 or a Big 10 or an ACC? So it says a lot about the conference and where they're at, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch this thing going down the road.
0: How much are these the hardest games of the year, because the second time around league, everyone's so well scouted in league, it's really different than non conference It's really different even than the, the first time around the league when you're playing teams the second time?
1: Well, I, I think number one, to have an opportunity to play at home in these games the first time around, and, and you win games where maybe you've made mistakes. But I think playing somebody the second time is, is, is difficult. But I think there's it's a different perspective for coaches and players. They know they've watched enough film, they've played them already, they know the matchups, they 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 know what's taking place, and I think you you are more more a little bit more relaxed in terms of just the uh, stress and so forth of preparing for games. You, you know, kind of like hey, we know what's happening. We've got you know six or seven films on them. We've already played them. We've watched their last couple of games. And I, I think this is a great time to just get better as a team. Uh, I think it's pretty clear in, of, of what Utah State's going to do the, the remaining five games. And, you know, they did, they, the last five games haven't been great, but they've lost a really good teams that are all going to the tournament. You know, in years past, you know, none of those teams when we were playing uh, were going to the tournament when I was coaching. I mean, San Diego State was not great. Nevada was not great. Colorado State was up and down. I mean, those were, those were kind of wins in a time where I, you know, it was, it was one of those things where you were playing Utah. You know, obviously the conferences have changed. But it is. Uh, I, I think Utah State's in a great position. They've had a great year. They've got a great body of work. And I think they're going to be really confident going into the tournament. And, you know, I don't know what I think right now they're looking at. Nobody, having getting a seven bid, Colorado State, an eight bid, Nevada ninth, it the 10th, UNM ninth. So, you know, whether they get five bids or not, I don't know, but it's going to be four or five. And I, I think as a coaching staff, you, you're feeling good about where you're at. You want to finish this thing strong. You don't want to be limping into the tournament. But I think they're in a really good position and I, I think they'll be prepared. And uh, I think it's pretty evident that the games that they have coming up, uh, that they can win those games, especially when they're at
2: home. I find this quad system pretty stupid. I don't understand it because I look at it like an Oklahoma State. I realize they don't have a good record, but they're at home, and they didn't play like a quad three team on that particular Saturday, and the coups get beat, and somehow we're going to slap them out. Oh, you lost a quad three to a quad three opponent. But nevertheless, that's the this, this system that they use. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because on a given Saturday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever it might be, a team can have a, a bad uh, December, but they can look good, and that, that, that's obviously what the Cowboys did. But from BYU's perspective, I'm still trying to find a way to get some consistent play, like a two or three players. There's a wide variance of a couple of these guys to where sometimes they look really good and other times they disappear. A- any type of insight to provide more consistency for them?
1: You know, I mean, you're right. It is kind of up and down, and sometimes it has a lot to do with matchups and uh and who you're playing and what the opportunities are. Uh, th- this league is so volatile, and anything can happen on any given night. And no lead is safe. I mean, you know, watching that UCF game where they trailed the whole game, they scored 27 points. Uh, uh, the turnovers, they shot 51%. They outscored BYU 46 to 26 in the paint. I mean, they it was one of those things where they, BYU had gotten up and then they just kind of all of a sudden stopped playing. And and I, I think the thing that that is, is true is that Jackson Robinson's going to make big baskets, big free throws. He's going to do things that will help better are winning. Waterman has been up and down. You know, I mean, he – Against UCF, he goes 17, 9, and 1. Against Oklahoma State, he scores seven points. You know, Khalifa and Traore are kind of an interesting dynamic to watch right now because Khalifa in the last two games, he had 8, and 1, and 4, and 3. You know, in the numbers, I'm not looking at the points. I'm looking at assists. And I think what's happened for, for Khalifa is that teams have made adjustments. They've got enough film now. They know what's happening beforehand. Teams prep. And uh, a lot of that action that they they have gotten in the past, they're not getting right now because teams are preparing for that. And they know what to expect. That's why I believe that Traore can just stay healthy. It's not like Khalifa's not going to continue to play because he brings a lot to that team. But I think Traore, you know, hopefully he's healthy here. But, you know, against Oklahoma State, he, you know, he stepped up and and had a good night, seventeen and four. Uh, but I but I agree with you. You know, one night Waterman's on. Uh, Nell and Johnson have been off and on again. Uh, yet, you know, against Oklahoma State, uh, Johnson goes for five and three. And game before he's in the twenties. You know, you that, that's the thing for me is one of the guys. That I, I kind of count on for the most part is Saunders. I know the effort I'm going to get. I know Robinson is going to be poised and able to make big baskets. Nell and Johnson, who are you know been in that program a long time, you know, their, the expectation for those guys and for themselves is you know be 15, 16 a game, and and it has been kind of up and down. Same thing with Waterman. Hall's been pretty consistent, but <laughs> and and, he, and he's been solid throughout this process. But, you know, I looked at his numbers against. He scored two or three late threes. But he had six assists. He had four rebounds. Uh, six rebounds and four assists. Uh, you know, that, that's you kind of know what you're going to get. But I, I agree with you. That there has been some up and down. A lot of times it's playing on the road. That can make it very difficult. Uh, injuries can make it difficult. Guys going in and out of the lineup. But, you know, BYU's got, they, they've got a, you know, this week they're playing Baylor who Baylor beat them at home, which you would expect. Uh, And, you know, Baylor's a team that shoots so well. They're they're not a great defensive team statistically, but they're usually pretty solid. They're a 40% three-point shooting team. And, uh, you know, I think Baylor beat them by 9 or 10 uh, at their place. So this is going to be a a very challenging game. But when I started looking at BYU and they've got Baylor at home, then they've, they've Got to, you know, they're going to be at Kansas State. Next week, they're at Kansas. They play TCU at home. And the following week, they're at ISU and home against Oklahoma State. So those are away games, Kansas State, Kansas, and ISU, will be really challenging. I mean, I know we don't know anything from day in and day out, but I think this Baylor game is a big game because they lose the Baylor. It's not going to, I mean, it's not going to be easy no matter where you play, but Kansas and ISU at the end of the schedule, that's going to be really challenging. And, of course, they, they, they'll they finish with, uh, I think, Oklahoma State at the end. But this five games is really critical for their seeding. Hey, they're, they're going to be in the tournament. That, that's not the issue here. But they want to finish strong before that tournament. So this is a tough stretch. They'll get a win against Baylor tonight, uh, Puts them in a great position, uh, and then they go on the road with some confidence and, uh, you know, Kansas has been up and down. I mean, even though they're the ninth-ranked team in the country, they've had some interesting losses. And so you never know in this league. But I, Kansas and ISU are going to be really difficult on the road. All three of them are going to be difficult. So to beat Baylor at home this night, to, 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 to see them kind of make that step forward will give them some confidence going on the road against a really challenging schedule going down
0: Waterman is really something else because I think we've all seen players. You can probably go around the whole league and uh, find a player on every team who's up and down. That's just kind of the way basketball can go, especially if you're not wildly talented, but you have some talent. But he's got 10 games where he scored 15 points or more, including against Houston on a night they lost. But nonetheless, he scored 17 against one of the elite defensive teams in the country. But he's got five games where he literally scored zero points. And a lot of those games, he stopped shooting after like three shots. How do you get him? If he he keeps shooting, something goes in and he doesn't get a goose egg. uh, What can you do there? Because I would think that in a lot of cases, it's physical, not mental. But in this case, my guess is the issues are more mental than physical.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we've all watched this game long enough. I coached it for years. And I found players. You know, with with Waterman, I have no idea what the coaching staff's doing, but I think I've mentioned this before. But with him, just looking at this stretch going down the road and that, hey, we need 12 to 15 points and six or seven rebounds. And, you know, and and like you said, against UCF, he goes 17, 9, and 1, and then all of a sudden it's 7, 5, and 2. And I, I understand there's matchups. Guys get in foul trouble. They get hurt. Whatever the circumstances are, but I, I love the idea, especially with a guy like Waterman, has such a huge upside and has demonstrated that and then demonstrated you know, that, that, that he just kind of disappears, is that after those kinds of games, you've got to watch film. You know, what happened here? Let's look at the opportunities that you had. Make it a positive deal. You know, this is not the time of the year you're getting into guys. This is the time of the year you're going, how can we figure this out? How can we get you to a point where you're er, night in and night out and you're 12 to 15 a game, five or six rebounds, and, you know, and defending and doing what you're doing. So, for me, the first thing that came to my mind when you asked me that question is I'd, I'd be watching film, and whether it was the head coach or an assistant, but just going through and let's watch the last 10 games. Let's see what's happened, because you can learn a lot from film and video, and then to have a have a coach there uh, in a really positive environment that says, "Here's what we got going on. You know, we we've got this many games left, big games. What can we do?" And I, I think that would be the most important thing for him to just kind of evaluate it himself. And you know, it's not a getting into you know situation where the coaches are upset and this, we we got to get this fixed. No, you can't do that to guys. And it, Now or, you know, 20 years ago, you you want them confident. And that's what I would do. I'd, I'd watch film with them and go, let's take a look at this and look at games where, you know, you, you didn't score but five or six points. You only had two or three rebounds. And I suspect in some of those situations, maybe they were hurt or they were sick or whatever they might have been. But there's never been a time where they, they need Waterman more than they need him now. I, I know this. Felipa thing, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and if, if they go away from that a little bit, and get more pounding it in the post, but the one thing that does impress me about this team, is they're, they're resilient, they they don't seem, and I'm, I'm around them a little bit, and I, I just don't really, there's no negative talk, it's positive, let's go forward, and uh, let's just help each other, and they got enough depth, you know, that you, you're bringing guys off the bench. If you're bringing Traore or Saunders off the bench or if you didn't start Johnson, the one thing, you've got guys that had a lot of experience, played a lot of games, and uh, with good coaching and good support around them. Uh, I think those are the things that I have to do with Waterman. And it, it's not just Waterman. I mean, I think Nell and Johnson at times have been really up and down. One, one night it's 5, next night it's 17. Now, matchups and pre- game prep and all of those things, uh, play a play a role in this. You know, their focus of the team is, to, hey, we're not letting Johnson get touches. We're going to deny him. We're not helping off him. Uh, that, can, that can also uh, be some of the reasons why guys go through streaks and are so up and down. And Waterman and Johnson and Nell, guys that are older guys, you would expect them to be consistent night in and night out.
2: Did you happen to see that elbow that the kid threw at uh, Brandon Carlson on Sunday? So,
1: I saw the, the 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 kind of replay of it. I didn't see it live because I wasn't watching again. So I just watched some highlights. What 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 were your thoughts there? I mean, it was.
2: I thought. I mean, obviously he should be ejection, ejected. Ejected. Yes. But I think he should be suspended.
1: Yeah. Well, that might happen. There's probably, I don't know what what went on after the fact, and you know, they between the officials and the conference, and yeah, it did seem flagrant. And uh, you know, what a tough tough weekend for Utah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, to lose the USC and then come back and beat a UCLA team that's really good, it, it does say something about the heart and the spirit of that team, but just no way you go to USC. That's a bad loss. A team that struggled all year. They're 2-8 in, the, in the last 10. I mean, it just, it kind of made me sick. I felt so bad for those guys. And then to come back, I did watch a bit of that UCLA game. You know, pretty dramatic ending and uh getting the tip in and, and finishing winning at the buzzer. But uh I don't I don't know. I mean right now I think Utah's like the fourth team out but they've got to go and play at Colorado. They've got Stanford and Cal uh at home with a few winnable games and then Oregon State's a winning game. So you know at at worst three and two, but if some way Utah could could beat a Colorado team or an Oregon team uh, it's just difficult to do on the road. But that would all of a sudden put them back in the conversation. And, uh, right, I mean, you, you go 11th place in the Pac-12, which USC was, uh, it's just it's a disheartening loss. I, I will say this for the coaches and the players, just to go through a really gut-wrenching, bad, bad, bad loss and come back and beat a well-coached UCLA team that's playing better, my hat's off to them, you know. So, they only have one game, I think, this week against Colorado, yeah. and uh, they've got to they got to win that game. They win that game, they'll win the three, they'll, they'll beat Stanford, Cal, and Oregon State. You know, all of a sudden you go four and one, and now maybe you know you're not the fourth team out, maybe you're the first team out, or maybe you're you know really right there on the bubble. So uh, cool for cool for Utah. I think it was their first win at Pauley Pavilion in about five or six years. Um, but to win that thing with Brandon Carlson tipping it in, uh, that, that was fun to see and, and to see them have some success. So Hopefully they'll take that positive energy and uh, step up and get a big win because they beat Colorado. Now you're talking about five in a row. You know, they they, they just beat UCLA. They beat Stanford, Cal, and OSU. You know, now you're five in a row and you go to Oregon with more confidence and now all of a sudden you become a bubble team. Uh, that's that's what I'd like to see happen, and hopefully it does.
0: Steve, we appreciate the time, as always. Thanks for joining us. You bet, guys. Have a good day. Steve Kluglin, former BYU and Fresno State basketball coach, talking hoops right here on The Zone. When we come back, everything you missed in this show, plus the Utah Jazz Ticket Tuesday. We'll give away another pair of tickets on the other side of this break to see the Jazz and Charlotte Thursday night. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone.